Welcome to Through the Line, the Agency Squared podcast with me, Andy Barjuri. In each show, I aim to explore the science of marketing performance and how to run a successful marketing agency. In each episode, I interview a thought leader from either side of the client and agency divide in which they share their thinking, ideas and inspirations. In this episode, I talk with Katie Howell, CEO of social media agency Immediate Future. Katie shares some of her thoughts and best practices around agency business development. Come on in and enjoy the show. Katie, good morning. How are you today? Very well, thank you. Good, good, good. Thank you for joining me on the show. Oh, a pleasure. Looking forward to the next hour, I can tell you. <laughs> good. I think it was a, a mutual friend that first introduced us, our good friend Lena Robinson. And absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. She She's a kind of, as we just said, the centre of all things excellent right now, I think. So it's um, it's always lovely to have an introduction from Lena. Absolutely. She's a force to be reckoned with. A she good is force. a force. She is a force. Absolutely. And you know what she said about you, Katie, is that you're a force to be reckoned with as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a mutual backpatting going yes. on there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But listen, what, what I really wanted to explore with you today, because I think you're somewhat of an expert in this space, is marketing and business development for agencies. Because... I think we all know as agency people that actually we're not always the best people at marketing ourselves. And the challenge of being an agency often is that you are always on that treadmill of trying to find new clients. I think it's a constant pressure for agency people to be able to drive new business. So that's kind of really what I want to explore with you today, if that's okay. Yep, perfect. Awesome. Okay. But why don't we kick off? Because it'll be really useful to hear from you who you are and what you do and how you got to where you are today. Okay. So I, uh, I've i always been in biz dev, which means uh, I think I worked it out the other day. It must be near, nearing 32, nearly 33 years in biz dev, starting out in telesales for my sins. Um, but after getting myself qualified in, in marketing, uh, getting the role in biz dev, which in in the olden days when I was in agency and agencies then were both media and creative together. So I was there through the the as the industry split apart into its two separate sort of functions. I um I grew up in in, in biz dev really, uh, where my role was as much marketing as it is as it was, you know, getting that sale over the line. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, I was at DDB, which was BMP DDB at the time, but DDB, what a cracking agency to learn your craft. I mean, just brilliant. Just everything was done really well, incredible credentials. I was extraordinarily lucky to see it from the inside out in that fashion. So that when I set up my business, which is social media, and we run a social media agency that is 15 years old um i am the sole owner of the business so i do the social media side of it and yes it is an enormous passion of mine except that in my route i am biz dev got you can't help it love it love love the profession as part of my skill set it just is easy 
It, well, I guess, you know, if you if you started out with telesales, you know, that's a pretty hardcore level of yeah. biz dev, isn't it? It's being right at the coalface there. But to, <laughs> to yeah, because I did a bit of, um, yeah, I did a bit of door-to-door sales once, actually, and that was yeah. super hard work. But I think it kind of gives you that discipline to understand what you need to go through in sales almost, process-wise and discipline and, um, you know, being a bit fearless to sell. But you know, to have taken those skills into an agency environment and learned from someone as you did there, that's really useful too. Absolutely. I mean, one thing I would say is that if you do the hardcore and any business owner, in all honesty, needs to do a bit of telesales because it's even worse now. It's such a ghastly profession, really. It's awful. But you grow such a thick skin that now when I negotiate with procurement or I make a phone call to somebody who's being a bit is a bit of a challenge i always think to myself the worst thing they can do is tell me to fuck off that's it <laughs> how many that's times the worst that, thing to do. how many times has that actually happened to you katie quite a lot <laughs> <laughs> oh i thought you were going to say none <laughs> oh no quite a lot yeah slightly more politely but yes i have been yeah yeah i've been disarmed on on several occasions when i've got all <laughs> guns blazing on the sales but but it does mean that i i, I have a negotiation tactic which is i always look at my backstop always and I, I become mindful and comfortable of my backstop before I negotiate. Yeah, and we work with big brands with big procurement. So Google, Fujitsu, uh, IBM, Sony Music. You know, we've, I've, I've met the procurement on all fronts. And I can tell you, if you don't know your backstop, you, they will run circles around you. Gosh, that's, that's really interesting. And, and in fact, we're doing... I'm recording a session with somebody in the next few weeks, an episode, sorry, who is uh, an ex-procurement director who's going to talk us through what's in the minds of the procurement guys when they're talking to and negotiating with agencies. So, um, so when that comes out, I'll ping you a link and it'd be great to get your yeah. thoughts on whether that marries up to your experiences. Yeah, that'd be great. Your agency is called Immediate Unless I'm much mistaken. Um, so 15 years in social media, that's quite a long time. Mm. We started before it was called social media. <laughs> um, yeah, I spotted that I was very lucky because when I was at DDB, there was like, the uh, you know, obviously I was, you know, brought up and grew up in my career when there was no internet. And then the internet came along just as the agencies began to pay a bit of attention, were putting up lovely brochureware websites and Google was just, you know, making an appearance along with Ask Jeeves and, Goodness, uh, and yeah. a variety of other. Yeah, exactly. And I spotted this opportunity, which, which, frankly, I don't think anybody else really had noticed, which is that there is um, there were message boards. There were things called Google Groups and message boards, and we, that, you know, some of which survived. The, the likes of Mumsnet has still survived on since yeah. since it launched. Um, many of which have kind of died or gone into some weird and wonderful um, space where only three people still continuously talk to each other. And then those email lists. Do you remember those? Yeah, the, uh, there was do. a PR one. There was a PR and journalist one. Anyway, I thought it was a great way to communicate. I began to pick up a little bit, few little sort of side hustles on it. Had my second baby and went, oh, bugger this. I'm going to have a go at this. Persuaded my husband to give up work to look after my kids. and. My mother, bless her, offered to, to lend me some money. And I went, nope, I'm going to do it on my own. And in my first year, earned a fair amount of money. Let's put it this way. I had an, a contract from EMI to um, support um, Lily Allen and Robin, Willi- uh, 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 Robin Williams 
um, a whole load of um, EMI stars before the, they were bought by private equity for four grand a month. And I had 20 clients uh, and it was just me. <laughs> insanely working around the clock. Oh, my word. Going, oh my God, oh my God. Um, and then, I, you know, I got a bit sick, unfortunately, because I was working around the clock and still breastfeeding and being just a bit, a bit of an insane person. And uh, my mother said to me, you have a choice. You have to give up some clients and not work quite so long as because you haven't got the time to spend the money. So, you know, slow it down or you get help. So I am an accidental agency owner. <laughs> Uh, and I have no problem winning new business, none at all. My challenge has always been running a business. Yes. Yeah. You know what? That, that's classic because I talk to agency owners all the time. And normally what happens is they're really good at their particular trades, whether it's um, design or development or media relations or whatever it is and that piece of what they do is it just comes naturally to them but when it comes to the mechanics of running the agency and the business side of things that's where they have a bit of a challenge yeah and so for you it's taken me yeah it's it's taken me 15 years and we have I have sought advice I mean the, the the daftest thing I ever did was taking five years to work out that I needed somebody outside to help me got you because i didn't know what i didn't know and, and and external advisors have really supported us through the operational and people side of the business and and i maintain that you need that person to fill the gap in your head that just is not your passion it's not my passion yes yeah god that's that's bang on the money you know we should talk more broadly than business development katie there's loads of stuff i think yeah. <laughs> you know we could mine you for for information for hours I think. <laughs> it's the joy it's the joy of being old <laughs> you've done things yeah absolutely you've got experiences you can share but um but listen let's let's talk a bit about um the agency landscape because yeah. we were talking just before i hit the record button about how challenging the environment is right now for agencies, particularly in the UK where both of us are, because there's an awful lot of uncertainty. And I don't think we need to use the B word for anyone. And that could be Boris or Brexit, couldn't it, I suppose? But, but yeah. <laughs> you know, there's there's uncertainty around the corner and, and that creates big challenges for small businesses and agencies. What are you, what are you seeing? What, what, um, what have you seen that is worthwhile flagging as either alarm bells or people are doing really well? So I think I think there are three cha- there are three challenges in the world, and two things that agencies are doing badly. The three challenges in the world is that it, beyond our the B word, as you say, you know, obviously causing the uncertainty in the UK is quite terrifying. The drop in the in the rate of sterling is 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 both a joy and a pain in the ass. Um, a joy because we're very cheap now to the external world outside of the UK, which is which has its advantages if you sell abroad. Um, but there is also the world stage at the moment is very unpredictable. Everybody's feeling hyper-cautious. Your average company is now going, if I don't know where my supply chain is coming from, I'm not going to plan more than the next three months. And we find ourselves in this strange and wonderful world of quarterly uh, campaigns and quarterly processes and quarterly is with nobody looking up and everybody just desperately getting to the end of three you know 90 mm. days so we've got that those 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 two challenges are added to by our own industry which is lacking trust is 
fearful now to the point that since uh, Mr. Weed, when he was at Unilever, was very critical and hypercritical of the media industry, has seen a lot of the execution part of our roles as agencies move in-house. And increasingly, we're seeing this need to bring the sort of stuff that is actually quite commoditized and 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 poor on on value giving for agencies moving in house which is actually i think is quite a good thing but of course it's it it's causing pain to those agencies that are heavyweight on execution yes. um so there's three things that are really bad and then there are two things that are not helpful to agencies right now that are causing distress the first is um not enough cash flow to be able to weather this storm because they're you know we're, we're even we are finding that clients that normally paid us in 30 days are taking 120 days to pay us so there's some cash flow problems and challenges that mean that you're cutting your cloth you know rapidly every other day in order to survive the next week and get through to the next pay payday uh, and the other challenge is the non-acknowledgement of where we are and I'm being really brutal about this, Andy, it. that burying your head in your sa- in the sand and saying it'll be all right and hoping for the best is not a strategy. <laughs> and I know a lot of founders that are doing this. Um, the reality it never works. Never works. Never works. And I, I, you know, and, and sadly, not acknowledging that it's tough to stand still right now. It is tough. You are going to have to work twice as hard on your new biz. God. In growing your clients and doing your marketing twice as hard, double, double. We are doing double what we normally do. You know what I always say to any any agency is that you you can't stand still because if you're standing still, you're already starting to fail. There's no there's no abilities in agency business to say that's okay. We're going to stay here. We're going to stop at five. We're going to keep this client base. That doesn't exist if you want to have a kind of sustainable long term business, at least in my mind. But yeah. God, you've raised so many topics there. We could we could go on about loads of that just for the whole session. You know, in housing, I think is fascinating. <laughs> you know, how long will it be until yes. clients realise that um, yes, they've in house to get the execution stuff done by their internal team, but actually their internal team isn't as effective or as efficient as their their agencies at getting stuff done because they don't need to be. Um, you know, things like no, that are going to no. come around, and I think that we'll be in a bit of a cycle and and. The execution work will start feeding back out into agency land at some point in the not too distant future. Um, oh, you are so you are so right, Andy. Do you know what the beauty of being thirty years in industry is? I, I've lived through three recessions, and if you've done that, you just watch the, the pendulum swing forwards and backwards, and off we yeah. go again. So I, I'm positioning ours. I'm standing. You know, we are like everybody else, living in uncertain times and and and, and surviving. But I'm also positioning ours for when that cycle turns back that we go for massive land grab. You're ready. You're, you're teed up. That's, that's good. And I, I think the yeah. cash flow issue you mentioned, cash flow issue you mentioned there is really key as well. Mm. Because uh, when I had one of when I had my agency a few years ago, one of our bigger clients, um, they started to slow down their payments. So it was they used to be they paid within 15 days, and we got to 30, and then suddenly we got to 90, and then they stopped paying. And if I hadn't seen that coming and stopped servicing that client really quickly, we would have lost a lot more money yeah. than we did. And I think, you know, as an agency owner, you tend to have that optimism you know, because you have to be optimistic. It will be all right. They'll pay. Um, but just be mindful that those lower 
value quality mm-hmm. clients that you've got that aren't blue chip brands they actually might not have the ability to pay because they are struggling with the hyper cautious environment that we're in so um it's kind of the perfect yeah. storm for agencies isn't it really yeah absolutely so so that sets the scene and it's quite uh, pessimistic isn't it really <laughs> what can we do about it what can we do about um making sure that we're teed up to you know to effectively grow our agencies or to find new clients um what are those what does that what does that look like in terms of the the, the best way to go about marketing your agency and growing your business and I know that's a very broad, open question. <laughs> yeah, it is a very big question. Uh, and I think we might need to explore some ideas. One is work hard. I mean, really work hard. Not just, not hard like you used to, really hard. Uh, so you need to you need to push quite heavily through this. It, uh, uh, when I went through the last recession, it was the same thing. It's, it's your shoulder to the wheel, expect it. And as a consequence of that, you are going to, like me, look at your cash flow weekly. You're going to um, make sure your board meetings um, look at your profitability and your margins, that you calculate your pricing and value for the organization properly. There's quite a lot of detail you need to get into and a lot of big thinking, but that requires resilience. And one of the things that I think that most agency owners need to do right now is link arms with buddies to find themselves people within networks, including things like your Facebook group, um, where we link arms together and, and, and be open and honest. There, there are times when we all feel like worn to a bit of a frazzle. Um, and I, I'm always very open now with people when I'm feeling a bit there. <laughs> and go oh my god it's never gonna work and oh boy i've made a mistake and it's all wrong you know those those moments uh and i usually ring somebody up i know and go oh my god and whine at them and they go no that's not the case and i feel so much better and the next day i'm able to step forward again so i think there's a bit of mental resilience that's required um and when i say work hard one of the things that i have noticed working with several other agencies and we do a lot of partnerships yeah, right. I was talking to yeah. you about that earlier Andy because because we're specialists because we have purpose and we have a very clear solid vision about what we do when we target um, clients is that it's very easy for us to partner with other agencies that fit part of our vision but there's no conflict so that can be a search agency, a PR agency, experiential or a web build agency, because we don't do those things. So long as they don't do what we do, we're, we're, we're a comfortable partnership. One of the things I notice most is how often the initial conversation is with the senior people within the organization, but then I, I link arms with the junior. Uh, and marketing is led by junior marketeers. Um, and in, in, in the environment we're in at the moment, you can't do that. Every founder, every business owner, you are biz dev. That that would be my, my yes, first okay. call. You have got to get out there. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with that. I think whatever the size of your agency, whether you're a five-man band or a 50-man band, I think that you have to lead on that um, that strategy, that process, and the actual execution of your biz dev plan. So – Partnerships and JVs, yeah. that's a really interesting angle to take because obviously then you're sharing the uh, load in terms of starting conversations, in terms of developing clients. So how do you go about um, identifying who is a right fit for you? How, how do you go about identifying 
how you can work with someone because you know what I've found over the years is there the kind of smaller more nimble agencies are really up for partnerships but the kind of bigger ones are much more about keeping it in-house and building that revenue themselves but maybe that's changed a bit I am um, that's quite a difficult question for me do you know what I do Andy yeah. I network like mad good old-fashioned networking I've always done it uh I I do. I go out for drinks. I go. I, I'm quite old fashioned. We'll go for boozy lunches. I will find out about other people's businesses. I'll be open and honest with them, and I build relationships. So for me, working with big agencies, not the network agencies, but the bigger agencies. So when Karma Armor were independent, we did some stuff with them too. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's who you know. It's it's all about who you know, and and one of the the biggest challenges because we're not a London agency, we're just outside. Well, we're a Greater London agency, apparently. We're in Kingston, um, so but you know what? I jump on the train, I go in, I network, I make friends out of everyone. I mean, it's part of my joy about the job I do. I'll be really honest with you, Andy. I love it. I love finding out how other people run businesses, or how they do their jobs, or what they think. And I just love it. I, I'm I'm inspired by it. So. Being a people person means that I don't think I have a logical formula for you that says I look at these agencies and I rate them or rank them. I just kind of work with people I get on with. Yeah, it definitely helps, not it just does. in terms of your sanity, because it's more fun working with folks you get on with, but in terms of yeah. delivery as well, you know, you get much more of a yeah. kind of connection there, but it's more of a working vibe. Yeah, and I think also what happens is, you, you know, it's it's that moment over a beer that you go, do you know what, we're targeting this. So we're tar- we target it, say, for, at the moment, I'm on the, a mission with two T sectors, I call them, my travel sector and tech brands. One's yeah. B2C, one's B2B. And I'm on a mission to kind of win us some more brands. I've won two, one new, in the last month, I've won one new tech brand and one new um uh, consumer brand but it's actually a consumer stroke public sector brand which is a bit confusing okay. but anyway it makes sense to me um uh, and i'll tell you what would be really good is go why don't we look at those two wins you've had this month because they were obviously recent you know what yeah. did that process look like for um winning that business where did you start and how did you get to the stage where they'd signed on the dotted line so process is everything but also it's thinking ahead so if you ever go and speak to a biz dev agency then they will tell you it will be six to 12 months before they yes. they can win you any business. And, and and on average, that's about right. Yeah, that you have to keep, that's why you have to keep your engine going. Your marketing engine has to keep ticking over. You can't turn it off and on whenever you feel like it. And you certainly can't turn it on when you're in the middle of, the, of a shitstorm that we're in right now because yes. um, it's too late. You should have done it months ago. So so if I talk about the, 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 brand, the consumer brand we won, um, which is not in travel, unfortunately, although I'm still hunting down the travel ones. But that one in particular, we won off. We're, we're targeting. We were targeting the food market in January, February, March, wanting to get more food brands on on our um, radar. So I began uh, started off with a, a report, um, which is we do these value add reports. So this is not just some boring old white paper. Not not a blog that's been extended into a report which talks about the five things. Yes. I mean investing time. So we link arms with Brandwatch and Global Web Index to create. Uh, they just they just um, allow me to use their tools in a more public way, 
Um, and I go and do some research. We go and do some research. And I did some research on the barbecue industry. So how do people in social media talk about barbecues? I pull all the research insights together, build out a very pretty but fact-filled as well as advisory-filled okay. document. Then, right, then once I've got the document in place, we then go into shatter mode. So that means that I will – and by the way, I only write all of okay. these. Well, I write them because guess what? I have all the expertise. <laughs> so, so <laughs> fat-head Katie well, here. <laughs> But I'm passionate about my business and what I mean. I'm the one who really cares. So I write them. Give me a sense in about what that investment looked like because you said something really interesting there. It's not a white paper. It's not a blog post with the five things too that's been extended into some longer form. It's a proper mm. piece of research and that analysis and write up into a report. So yeah. that takes proper resource, not just in terms of your time to write it, but probably costs in terms of getting data and doing the analysis. And so, so give me a sense did that yeah. take a month to do, yeah. two months? Did it take, um, did you pour some money into it? What did that investment look like? If you're happy to share, obviously, I know. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I'm just laughing because I did the, the barbecue report I did in a week. And I did it in a week because because I'm insane. <laughs> and because if yeah. I'm sitting here at 11 o'clock at night, I don't mind. So, um, so yes, there's an investment. There is a small investment, which which some of the, partners i have a relationship with that allows me to not have to pay for everything um but not always in which case we put the investment in so what that means is i am looking at a social intelligence board from Brownwatch, for instance and pulling that data out to, to looking at how people talk about conversations i'm then translating that data and saying what does that mean for marketeers if you have a if you're levi barbecue sauce or if you're tabasco sauce what does that mean for you if you're welsh lamb what does that mean for you so i'm always looking at what does the data tell the brand how they should market themselves on social media because obviously that's all we do so i then outline it we get a copywriter so i write it you know as in this is what this means yep. and kt sort of reporting style i then use um turner inc who are fantastic um who write um, in our house style, which is quite irreverent and sort of um, the, the, the headline of this particular report um, was actually written by a friend of mine, but, but um, oh, it yeah. sums yeah, out, bums out, yeah. you know, so, yeah, which is just, <laughs> so we're, we're quite tongue in cheek, a little bit more social because, of course, we represent the social media industry. And if you have to look at a lot of cat memes, then you have to talk in the language of cat memes. So we, we write that we write that report it gets designed we have an in-house design team so probably all in all we can get the whole thing done in a week but that's partly because the upfront research takes time so i would say if if a push you could do it in two most agencies do it in a month exactly as you said so there is some investment you're probably if you're doing a survey yeah. you can yeah, do yeah. a survey for a couple of grand you know, get the data that nobody else has. Get the insight that everybody, you know, what would you click and hand over your blooming details and tick the GDPR box for? You're not going to do it because somebody's going to say the five tactics no, to gosh, no, doing your video better. Bait, isn't it? What it's you're just, talking about here is, you know, a, a really quality yeah. piece of insight um, that is of 
value. I think that's the word I'm looking for, yeah. value. Um, I, just, I want it to be value as the marketing director. I want him or her to open yeah, it. absolutely. And, and I think that what a lot of agencies uh, are guilty of doing, and myself included in the past, is thinking that, you know, half a dozen blog posts that take you an hour to write are of the same value, but they're clearly not. Because, you know, there's a difference between opinion and insight based yeah. on data and research. And that's what you're presenting here to your clients. Okay. Yeah. So we priority we primarily do that. Mm. Then the real hard work starts. The report is nothing because what I'm doing is I'm saying, this is my thought leadership piece. This is what I'm going to focus on now. And I may have one or two of them running at the same time. Frequently I do because I, I'm fidgety and I can't bear the thought of just doing one thing at a time. So I'll often do this. So I did the barbecue report and then did the tech report. Both yes. two, both of them are running at the same time now, which is causing me endless amounts of pain. Um, so then what happens is, say, let's just take the barbecue report. What happens is we put it online, it's gated. I write the press release because I write it in our style and I, it, in my voice. Okay. The voice is the person that's going to sell, that's going to be in the pitch, that's going to talk to the client, that's going to advise on the strategy in that voice, in that smart mm, okay clever and slightly sassy voice that, that, that I project. I write, I, my team then follow through with me and write all our blog, all our blog posts, our social posts, and we kind of gather everything up with visuals. We do um, a series of, of, of different types of visuals, so they could be moving images. We uh, do a video, so it will either be a video interview of me or the one for the tech um, I did with um, the lovely Tom Head at Lab um, Digital Agency. Uh, we did it together. We just do a short video, again, giving away data, giving away insight. Um, and we get all this information ready and out there, and we push it out through all our channels. We uh, send emails, and I use a lead gen okay. agency called Mank and Dandy. Because I can't do everything, but the best one in the world, I can't do everything. So, um, what what I do is is that we all our when people download the report, it drops into our Salesforce CRM, lead, yeah, lead. Um, I got it. Yes, yeah. CRM, thank you. I couldn't think of the word there. Man and Daddy have access to it, and they follow up on all those leads. So obviously, they ignore all the other agencies that have downloaded the report. But, Which happens every time, doesn't it? It does, but I don't care. Yeah. They can have the information. They just don't know what's in my head, and we're smarter, faster, and first first mover. So everybody, for, to all the other agencies that download it, you're welcome. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> forward. I, um, I don't have to. Why worry about that when what I'm more concerned about is, oh my god, I've just seen the marketing director from such and such has downloaded this, or I've seen the brand manager has downloaded this. And we can tie mm. so much of our sales back to this activity. I then pitch speaker slots um, to get to talk, or we run events. So we've just done an event with Lab on B to CTO for that's yeah. if you're really techie you on, so, yeah. as in B to B for CTOs. They came up with the title; it's fantastic. Um, so we just ran an event, thirty marketeers in the room from the tech tech industry. It, it was so good. We're actually going cool. to do an encore event on the 16th of October. Um, we've made 
huge numbers of connections. But with that report, we won a client before we even got to the event, a really big one we've been pursuing. And I basically pester people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And what I mean by when I pester them, when somebody comes through and I have that first phone call, and maybe they go, oh, we're thinking about it. You know, I don't know. We've got a current incumbent agency. Our PR agency does our social, blah, 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 right? I go, no problem. Just tell me about your challenges and what you'd like to do. And because we ha- our vision is to break the social boring, that's what yeah. we do. We, break, we, do, we do not put shit out. We put out content that actually drives results. Then uh, when I follow up, I follow up and re- I readdress those challenges so when i go hi thank you for the call it was i don't just go well let's i'll call you in a week what i do is i make sure i know what i'm doing and then throughout the next three months i go i found this did you see this did you see what your competitors are doing over here and and basically i just ping them and prod them and invite them to events i'm going to and uh, I think you make friends. You make friends with them, don't you? And you I give do. them some value and little bits of nuggets here and there. I do because I think I think that's the bit why I think I feel so strongly that this has to happen at a senior level. So don't get me wrong. I don't book the venue. You know, of course you have somebody who is learning the craft at a junior end to do all the basics. So I don't put the posts out on social media. I have a team. I have a social media team. Unsurprisingly, <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think you did. <laughs> um, so I don't do all of that sort of stuff, but I do invite people for lunch. I do potter across their offices, and if they like, for instance, two people that came to the event last week for the tech industry said to me, "We love this. We'd love to be able to share it with our colleagues." And I've, I'm doing I'm doing lunch sessions and breakfast sessions in their companies. Brilliant. So, now you're building friends throughout their, yeah. their uh, hierarchy there, aren't yeah, you? Absolutely. But let's, um, let, let's, cause that, that keeping in touch and that kind of that constantly um, having additional touch points with some value in there is really important. I think there's that old expression, you need to have seven touch points with someone before they buy from you. And I think recently people started saying you need 10 touch points. Oh, I've always thought it was 12. Yeah. So you're, you're... Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Who knows? Those numbers get made up all the time. But um, what's interesting there is you talked about the report, and then but lots and lots of information assets coming off the back of that. So, so you, you mentioned videos and, and all sorts of images and blogs and so on and so forth. How how much in terms of volume of content do you think on average you put out for one report to to kind of get that some um, traction? Oh God, loads. Do you know what? I've never. I'm terrible. I'm. Te- I'm a really bad at documenting what I do because I just don't think about it. I would say. I mean, if you put the posts, we are going out with at least five to six posts a week. In the first month to six weeks, we'll put paid behind it, so paid social yeah, and yeah. Uh, paid um, AdWords, so uh, PPC. Um, so that's just the social. We'll put out. I usually do two press releases with different angles on which we also use um, uh, oh, response source. So we, response source has a PR um, distribution mechanism. So we don't use a PR agency yeah. uh, because I like to build relationships with journalists. Yes. Simply. Hence, hence I end up on the BBC because I just made friends out of all the producers that phoned me up and asked me if I would 
speak on the on, on BBC Breakfast. Do you know what I mean? Yes. I, just, I just made yeah, yeah. and I got on the list. I'm on the list now. And so they phone me. Mostly when I'm on holiday they phone me, but they are they phone <laughs> me and ask me to be on things. Um it's, it's the wrong time and you get that call and you're like, ah, oh, supposed to be yeah. away that week. Well, yeah, well no, mostly, mostly it's when I'm on holiday. <laughs> like I'm in Greece. I can't be in the studio. <laughs> I'm having to phone in. We can do it over the phone. <laughs> um, well, that's really interesting there because, you know, there's a temptation when you pour a lot of time into creating some information asset there, your report, is you kind of um, the field of dreams scenario. Put it out on the website, a few social posts, people will come and read it, job done. And and that's just not the case. It's just not reality, is it? No. And I we keep going for at least three months, sometimes a whole year. We've milked reports for a year. I think the tech report will milk for a year. Um, we, we keep going out. We, we swing it up and down and take different angles. We revisit it. We go back and say this has changed. Um, I write. I then write opinion pieces as well about the industry, and that's really crucial. Okay. I write opinion pieces not because I'm some egotistically driven person, because I can promise you at 53 you don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> I do it because, A, I have an opinion, and, B, because clients hire us because we have an opinion. Well, we that's exactly right, isn't it? If you haven't got an opinion, you're going to be quite vanilla in whatever you produce. Yeah. So we have an opinion. We say this industry is not doing this well enough. This is not good enough. Social media is not a tick box exercise. You don't go, whoa, Twitter tick, Instagram tick, influencer crap tick. You know, that isn't how you do that isn't how you do marketing. We are a craft and I'm quite aggressive about it because I believe in it. So um and I, I learn and I at the moment, for instance, I'm reading Richard Shotton's book on um it's called choice factory and uh it's all about sort of the biases and neuromarketing which is partly why i got so obsessed with lab and 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 the conversations i had with tom head was they do neuromarketing fabulously and it's just um really interesting stuff on behavioral science that i've always been fascinated with so i keep reading creating opinions thinking about how that applies to the industry i'm in and then go out with that Got you. Okay. With that as part of my opinion, which again says it has to come from a senior person. So, so, so I guess what I'm understanding here is there's a, there is a real process behind what you do and it's built on some value add. It's built on starting relationships with senior marketeers. And then I guess by doing those kind of lunch and learn sessions you're talking about, you're expanding that reach throughout the organization. How do you get to a point where you're ready to have a sales conversation? Or or is it because of all the value that clients start to talk to you and ask you questions and and that's where you can kind of start to introduce the services? Uh, uh, Very early in my career, I read um, Blair N's pitch. Win without pitching. I always say pitch without winning. I do not mean the same. <laughs> I don't mean pitch without winning. I mean, yeah, that's a really pitching. crap book, isn't it? Pitch yeah. without winning. <laughs> <laughs> I always get it the wrong way around. Um, um, uh, how do I get to the sale? Well, do you know how we get to the sale? I get the phone call. I go I go into meetings where I'm meant to be presenting and then somebody says to me, oh, and by the way, we have a brief and we've got 20 grand or 50 grand. And blah, blah, blah. And I go, okay. And do you know what? There's never anybody else in the mix. Or if there is someone else in the mix, I get told, as I was told yesterday, oh, yes, we're going to have to put this out to two other agencies. But frankly, just write it like this and we'll get you through. And it's yours. <laughs> and the reason is they bought me. They bought me all the way. Yes. They're, they're, we do, don't get me wrong, we do pitches. 
we do. But by the time we do pitches, we know that client inside and out. I'll have met them two or three times. I'll have stalked the hell out of them on social media. Um, we even went into a pitch knowing, for instance, that one of our prospects loved cakes. So we took cakes with us. Just we, we, we and sadly, we then told them what we've, I've been stalking them on social media, which just made us look really creepy. But, um, well, you, but you'd want that from a social agency, <laughs> wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah, creepy is good. Um, so, so I think if you were to sort of summarize, and I'm probably being a bit waffly, the whole idea of this is to be a thought leader, to build a relationship where we pay it forward and give it away for free. We don't hold back information. We actually help people. And sometimes, sometimes I can spend an hour and a half of my life, which is, you know, busy enough as it is, over a coffee with a brand and never get anything out of it, but give them the advice and give them the support and set them on the right path. And it's of no value whatsoever to me, but I don't care. I really just don't care because I have, over the years, what I've discovered is the brand that can't use us that person may move, that person may be sitting next to a prospect and mention us. We are front of mind because we did more. We, we did more unexpected nothing back. So if I can help lend a helping hand to a, to a client, big or small, who, who may never use us, that's, that doesn't matter mm. either. So I don't filter terribly. I do filter a bit, otherwise I'd have no life. <laughs> I filter a wee bit. But in the main, I will at least have a half-hour conversation with the smallest of client that would be no good to us and refer them to a freelance or a smaller agency that can help Perfect. them. Okay. I'll still do that because it doesn't matter. Do you know what? I really like the, some of what you said there in terms of, you know, that if you add the value and you're talking to a prospect who moves on, goes somewhere else, tell somebody else. I guess it's about building a reputation around you know, this person is smart. They're happy to share. They're adding value. You know, as you say, it might not be of any value right now to you, but it kind of short, uh, medium to long term positioning of you and your business and your agency. That's invaluable, isn't it? You can't create that overnight. No. And it, do you know, it's so much less stressful yeah. than going into a pitch cold, knowing you're one of a million other agencies. You shouldn't do that, by the way. You should have criteria that say you won't do it if there's a million other agencies. <laughs> but that's so, yeah. that's so stressful, isn't it, when you don't know who you're t- talking to. So I would say 75% of our business is one without a pitch. Amazing. Okay, well, there's, there's two things I want to focus on uh, there. One is pitching but before we get to that you talked about using a lead gen agency mank and dandy who i haven't heard of but i'll obviously check them out so they're just doing what the early stage qualification of leads that are inbound for you to make sure that you yes. are prioritizing your time yeah yeah absolutely because we, we obviously i get a lot of stuff coming through on our lead yeah. gen because we have a lot of reports so that and they do that thing where they go you know when the client says to you uh, or the prospect says to you Oh, we won't renew any, review anything till September. Well, in my head, because all the millions of things I'm doing, and that falls out of my head, no matter how many reminders I set myself, I never get round to ringing them up and going, you know, how are you said? We'll speak yeah. in September. They do that. They're brilliant. And also where I've gone in and seen someone and don't think that there's an oppor- an immediate opportunity, I sling the contact, contact back at them. So I'll say, there's nothing here. I need to, we need to, or we need to expand. This person isn't a decision maker in reality. I think there's somebody else. Can we find them? So they do that kind of digging and account profiling for you. 
Yeah, and so they do all that that kind of very processy bit of biz dev. There's a, there is a touch point process when when you speak to a, a prospect who says, "I can't speak to you for, for for three or four months, or we're not renewing right now." Somebody who will nudge them along. That bit is a total waste of my yes, time. Yeah. You know, do you know what I mean? Because because I could ring them in three months and they go, oh, it'll be another couple of months or I've that person's left, you know, it, and all the other joys that happen in our lives. It takes up quite a bit of headspace, that stuff as well. You don't realise it, but if you're a client, yeah. you, you're going to spend at least half an hour just making sure you're up to speed with who they are before you to have that touch. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't, don't ever. So when I do an event, I always block book out time the following week or the following day for at least five days, because the follow-up to an event is really, really yes. time-consuming. And if you don't do it, you have to do it immediately, don't you? Yep, absolutely. And it's something it's really difficult. It's not good enough to say, I hope you enjoyed the event. You can download the presentation here. That isn't no, no, follow-up. Not at all. Or, do you fancy a coffee? That isn't follow-up either. <laughs> so do they go in as, uh, as immediate future, or do they go in as uh, lead and agent? Again, it's immediate future. I, I like them because there are a couple of very, very good biz dev agencies out there um, uh, 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 that are phenomenal. But I we are very specific and very consultative in our sales. So stick with them once you, once you train them, teach them, invest in them. Don't just say, get me some leads and run away and wait for, by the phone for them to give <laughs> you a call because that doesn't work. Yeah, I speak to them at least once a month. I tell them what we're doing. I tell them who's come to us. I CC them on emails I'm sending to clients. I I bring them into the business, and I have I work with those biz dev agencies that have. They're going to hate me for saying this. Older staff. <laughs> well, um, I, I think the, temp I think the temptation the with the biz dev agencies, as you say, just just to say, go on, get me some leads. You know, can you do what can you do in three months? And you know, it needs six to twelve months, and they need to really understand your business. And, and if they've got a a team of slightly uh, more experienced, shall we say, people, then they're able to more quickly understand your business. I think, and more quickly relate to people. Yeah. So it's kind of softer skills you get with yeah. experience that um, helps. And they know, and they know their profession. I. That's the thing. They know, they understand their profession. And it is, for me, my relationship with our biz dev agency is a two-way street because they are, I often ring them up and say, I want to do this. What do you think? Or should I buy a list? And they go, no, don't do that. Do this. You know, they, they, the, the advice comes back at me as well because, you know, their world is moving as fast as my world is moving. And, you know, what we used to do 30 years ago, banging the phones, it's not it's not the same. Nobody takes a phone call anymore. So it's a much craftier art now to getting the lead gen side mm -hmm. of the business running. And they know it. So I trust them and I feed into them and I create a, a, a relationship that means that they are an mm -hmm. extension okay. of my team, not, not, not an external I think supplier. That's how you have to work, isn't it? You know, you have to have those. Yeah. Uh, it's almost not a, a client supplier relationship. It's a collaboration where you both win. Uh, it just happens to be you're paying the bills. Yeah. <laughs> but if you look at it that way, I think you get you'll probably get more mileage out of it. But let's look at yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I was going to say, and to be honest, with you, it's usually no more than a fairly decent mm. salary. 
in terms of cost. We have this conversation occasionally in the Facebook group, the Agency Squared Facebook group, where people say, I'm, I'm thinking about getting a biz dev agency, or have you tried this agency? What's your experiences? And I think generally speaking, that, that I get the feeling that people aren't giving them enough mileage. There's not enough time or resource for that biz dev agency to really deliver what you're looking for. Uh, I think people are expecting too quick a response from an agency. and They haven't got Ooh. the right timeline in mind. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's talk Absolutely. about um, pitching because that's kind of one of those bugbears of agencies, isn't it? You, you know, the pitch process, you give away all your best ideas for free. You spend a lot of time and mm-hmm. money and resource on it. And then you're in, you, know, you might be in an environment where you're up against three, four, five or more other agencies. Um, so it can be quite hit and miss. What's your take on on the pitch process? Because you mentioned there that maybe only 25% of your uh, business comes through pitching. Well, part part of the reason that that is also the case is we, I would say we turn down 60% of pitch invites. Okay. The part of the reason is we, I have very strict criteria and hard, hard bitten experience has proven this right. So for instance, if we if there are more than three agencies pitching, we don't pitch. If they won't tell us the budget, we don't pitch. If we don't get a written brief or we don't get a chance to sit down, write a brief and send it back to them, we don't pitch. Oh, I think there are three really key pieces there, aren't there? Any client saying, I don't yeah. know what the budget is, yeah. um, that uh, is an immediate alarm bell. <laughs> Either you don't trust me enough yeah. to create something because you think I'm going to spend all your money because yeah. I can, um, or you're not – um, developed enough in your idea to have worked out what the business case is that you haven't got a budget so you don't know what the ROI is going to be uh, or you're just um, uh, you, you know you're not an experienced client and that's a nightmare for an agency mm. well also there's another part to it which is that is asking all the right questions mm. so I would ask is the incumbent pitching who are you using now what are your challenges with that incumbent why is it you're looking to renew if they can't answer that then I'm on a pitch list because we're procurement have told them that they need to review and they're just reviewing uh, it's a pricing it's, we're uh, trying to process. beat up the incumbent yeah so we don't do those either so generally what i'm trying and if they don't speak to us if they will not talk to us before the pitch we don't do it either no 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 absolutely not i think that goes back to the um win without pitching book because that talks a lot yeah. about the process doesn't it of uh, how to understand there's another book as well um is it the art of pitching i think i forget who wrote that one but that's really mm. good it kind of it gives you a kind of step-by-step process for uh how to understand the stages to go through before you even get into the pitch room because if you haven't met the client at least a couple of times before you're pitching this how, mm. how can you deliver a good pitch absolutely which means that you have to build those relationships because for me where we win big clients what happens is when the when we get to pitch procurement have stepped in which then there's a lockdown on any conversation which means you have to have already got the the relationship to have had all the right conversations before the pitch stage so one of our clients which is one of our flagship clients it took me two years to get to pitch crikey just meeting them going out for dinner okay inviting them to our events chatting to the guys so we got on the list but by the time we got on the list we knew we knew the client we knew what how they worked, all those little weird, quirky things that clients have and how they process sign-off and you know, who, who has the strongest character, how they play out politically, internally, who do we have to really sell to. All of those questions have been asked 
before we even got to pitch. And crucially, so, they knew you as well, Katie. They had a good sense for what you know yeah. your style, what it's like to yeah. work with, talk with you, and, and so you know you've got that relationship that gives you a much warmer pitch pitch environment, doesn't it? It does, and I it is hard, and it, I did learn the lesson the bad way, which is doing a lot of awful pitches when I started. Uh, not understanding that I no longer worked at a lovely big agency like DDB and that I was a little Miss Nobody and <laughs> nobody would pay any attention to me when I was, you know, three of us. Um, I, and I wanted to do every pitch and everything the way as though I was a big agency. And it, I learned the hard way that I would, you know, work weekends, work through my holidays to get proposals and pitches out there to only discover that we weren't even in the running and we get some glib, you know, we can't even be asked to speak to you, but here's an email with, we're not using you. Because we- <laughs> you know, yeah. I've been exactly there uh, so many times. <laughs> it's like I've poured my heart and soul into this proposal yeah. to you. I've given you my best thinking and you can't even be asked to give me a good conversation and some decent feedback as to why I'm not yeah. in the running. That, and that's yeah. soul destroying as an as an agency owner, but totally. also for your team as well. Because oh, when totally. you're doing a pitch, you get so invested in it, don't you? You spend you you pour yeah. everything into a pitch. Well, you imagine working with them. That's how you mm. get to the good place, yeah. isn't it? You you imagine this thing happening. It's not for me. It's not the money. It's the it's all those ideas and the the fact that you really believe that you can make this work better for them. And that is the bit that's really hard because your staff don't think about the money either. The pitch is not winning the money. The pitch is winning the great ideas that you're going to execute for this brilliant client. Absolutely. And And I I think it's it's my reputation as well. I mean, I, I pitched and built a very, comprehensive lead gen plan for a a large software company probably about three years ago now and I poured an awful lot into it but I also reached out to all of my networks all the suppliers that I've been running lead gen campaigns with and everyone put into this plan that I'd created for me then to have to go back to everybody and say I'm really sorry we we didn't get it but I'm not sure why that's difficult that's difficult it's yeah. very difficult. I'm quite persistent. I'll yeah. try. It doesn't always work, I have to say, and there are times when you have to let it go. But but I do find that by having my pitch criteria up front, I I am able to I'm, – I'm just more disciplined, and it is really heartbreaking. We have turned down brands we really want to work with, and we turned them down politely and said, look, if anything changes and you're not going out to 22 agencies <laughs> – we will yeah. come back. And you know what? Every now and then, occasionally, we've had it happen where they've come back and said, okay, we want you yes. to pitch. Now, that is just such a confidence isn't boost, it? isn't it? We want you to pitch, so we're not going to go out to the others. We're only going to pick you and two others. Now, that's what you're looking for, isn't it? And you only get that after a sustained yeah. period of relationship building. And as you've said so many times, kind of adding value, paying it forward, which I absolutely love. You know, is yeah. being seen as that thought leader, which is a which I think is a horrible term, but it's true. You know, if you've got, if you're forming opinions yeah. based on your original research and data and analysis, then you can be in that spot. Um, but I think there's a, I think there's a challenge for most small, certainly small and medium sized agencies to find a space for themselves to be able to own that space and to develop some really original thinking and research and to invest that time and money into creating that position in the market as well. It is. It's really tough. And I think, 
that's where it's you know if you don't have the biz dev experience that's where you really need to get an external advisor you need someone who can look at your business and say let me help you shape you have these opinions they're just buried inside you (laughs) yeah and we'll help you formulate them and i've seen some great advisors out there who can really drag out those that thinking and you know it's that it's that thing when a client comes to us and we say who do you want to target and they say everyone and we go <laughs> yeah right that ain't gonna yeah. work you know i mean you cannot target everyone you have to stand for something you have to say this is who we are to this audience base that bit is exactly the same which is why there are so many blogs at the moment in biz dev talking about agencies needing to define who they are what they stand for because that is the principle you as a agency owner need to understand who you are and what you stand for then you can have an opinion do you know what i mean because you've got a platform to do it on but that's not just from a biz dev point of view that that works from a a whole agency perspective Uh, i had an employee a few years ago who told me he was leaving because he didn't really understand where i was trying to take the agency and for me it was crystal clear but for him it was like what are we doing here i don't get it um which i thought was interesting because i didn't have that defined position or platform um for him to get inspired by let alone perspective yeah it's i think it's very it's a yeah i'm not so sure i'm so great at the employee bit but but i do know this it i'll make it sound like lots and lots of hard work once you get into the stream of it it's really good fun and it escalates really quickly you speak at one event suddenly you find yourself being invited to speak at three more do you know what I mean, it escalates really, really quickly and you hone your art of getting up and being confident in what you do. And it is such fun. I cannot explain how much I wish I wish everybody could see it from my perspective that runs agencies, that running an agency is not getting in I don't get in the weeds with my clients. I don't get into the detail with my clients. I have operational and and fantastic employees who manage the running of the agency and I get this wonderful thing to go and talk about what I'm most passionate about to as many people as I possibly can how cool is that that is just the coolest job in the world what a great place what a great place to finish off Katie because I think you're absolutely right I don't think that um, there's much more fun in business than being an agency owner where you have that ability just to go and talk about what you love doing and what you know a load about so you're in a position of authority is um, it's something else isn't it Thank you so much. You've you've um, you've given loads Aww. there. It's great to kind of look under the hood at how somebody else does biz dev because I know that there's loads of agencies in our community that will get some value out of this. And as you say, it's it's tough yeah. times at the moment. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty. So I think everyone yeah. needs that extra shot in the arm. Uh, I've really really loved talking to you, Katie. I hope you'll come back at some point. And I think that I think that I'm going to have to put Aww. some kind of event on where we have agency owners. You know talking and sharing and having a some kind of conversation so i'm definitely going to knock on your door for that oh amazing yes awesome okay well look, look thanks again i've really enjoyed it and i hope that we speak again soon thank you very much